Lincolnshire. Non-league radio. The home of live commentary on lower league football in South Lincolnshire. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Lincolnshire Non-League Radio podcast sponsored by DWV Timber Engineering and Angels Taxes of Boston. My name is Tom, commentator on the station, and this week we are joined by the most recent manager at Hull, at Hull Beach United and former Boston Town manager, Gary Frost. First of all, Gary, thanks for coming on. How are you tonight? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Uh, and thanks for coming on. I mean, uh, James, uh, who are, James Palin from Wibberton, who I had in a few weeks ago, uh, said you listened to the podcast uh i did with him a couple of times i mean uh i hope it was good yeah 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 i'm good friends with james um my son used to play with his son at wiverton um and i used to be james's assistant with a with a kids team so um i had a good old chuckle when he mentioned his um i'm well very good but i won free player of the years because he used to tell all the kids that so i hope he listens and hears that <laughs> that was good <laughs> Uh, so in this podcast, we'll be talking about Gary's short spell at Holbeach, his time at Boston Town, and also how we got into the game. So we will uh, start with Holbeach United. Of course, you're, you are the most uh, recent manager, with a new manager being confirmed yesterday. Uh, so we'll start with, you was already there with Dean Elston and Paul Phil Barnes, I believe. Uh, I mean, I, I remember we was at the Boston Town Holbeach match in the FA Vars, and he was there as a coach, but was the job offered to you straight away? No. Um, basically, what happened there is that I'd been sort of itching to get back in. Been a while since I'd been, you know, involved. Um, I'd been involved locally a little bit, but once you manage at that level, you you want to sort of be at that level. Um, you know, know Phil and Dean well, so dropped Phil a message um, and went along um, as, a, as a coach, really, but just to sort of bed myself in. Um, but it it was real it was real struggle, sort of not being the voice. You can only have two standing, obviously, and that was Phil and Dean. Um, and so I just messaged and said, "Look, you know, I appreciate it, but I can't do it unless I'm sort of gaffer." Um, and they were good about it, you know. Phil said, "Yeah, no problem at all." Um, and then obviously a couple of weeks later, um, they they left. And I think what the premise with with me going there and them agreeing to that would be that if they couldn't get any new players in or get any results, that I would just sort of be pushed into it after the coaching role. So probably two or three games later, I would have been just given it. Um, but obviously that uh, that that. That didn't happen because I didn't go after that first that first time again, and then obviously they they you know called it a day, and then it went out to applications, and I applied and 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 was successful. Obviously, I mean, of course, uh, Holbeach uh, haven't been a, a good place all season, really. I mean, surely you knew it was always going to be a hard task when you took on the job. Massively, um, poison chalice a little bit without that sounding like it does because I got a lot of respect for everyone at Hull Beach and it is a great club. I applied for the job two or three times before um, when Danny Hussey got it, when when Seb Hayes got it. Um, so so yeah, it was. I, I knew what I was getting into. I hoped that with some of my old connections, um, you know, Wibberton, Boston Town, etc., that a few might jump ship and, and come over. Um, I hope that we might be able to to maybe, you know, pay a little bit over the odds if we needed to, to get, get a few in. But the tricky thing with doing it 
at that particular time in the season is that mostly everybody's settled. Um, and I took my hat off to them boys as well for turning around and saying, look, you know, we're, we're here now, we're doing well, we're, I'm enjoying it. I'm not going to leave. You know, I said to them, well, I can give you a little bit more expenses or whatever. No, that's still not going to be enough to change my mind. So I took my hat off to the loyalty. Um, so, yeah, I, I knew what I was getting into. I just thought that, you know, I, I thought, A, that, you know, some of the boys that were there might step up a little bit more, knowing that they were getting deeper into trouble. And I also thought we would add a few. Um, but as, as I say, it just didn't work out like that. So, I mean, you did kind of have a, a decent start. I know this game uh, result uh, got wiped off due to your playing and, and an eligible player. I mean, the Blackstones game and the Lincolnshire Senior Trophy where you won 5-0. I mean, it was still a, it was a great result, of course, for you. I mean, Blackstones, they're in the league below and uh, near the bottom. But I think it was uh, Curtis Rebel, wasn't it? He had played in the Lincolnshire Junior Cup for uh, Fishtoft, I think. And uh, that's why that game got uh, taken away from you. Yeah, I think it was Swine's head, but um, but yeah, it, I mean, we had we had almost a full strength squad, and two or three of the boys that ended up leaving played as well. Blackstones were in a lot of trouble as well at the same time. Their manager got the sack basically the game the you know the day after. So so you can't really read too much into that because we thumped them five nil and it should have been ten, so, and they weren't they weren't very good. So what I took from that game is I knew we had some lads that could play um, and and again watching them at, at Boston Town I knew there was some boys there that could play and that there were there were a few boys that were flittering on sort of maybe going and playing elsewhere maybe being dual registered and stuff like that and we hoped that me coming in they would all come back together and sort of solidify but it just didn't happen um, I think just because of what had happened there at the start of the season where a few of the old guard had left and gone to different teams. And that does happen. You know, it's it's brilliant, you know, when you get lads that have been at a club for eight, ten years. But when they all do disband, that's when obviously you, you, you're then left with, you know, just a few. And some had stayed and been loyal. Um, but really, we didn't have enough sort of quality in the team um, from where it had come from, really. To, to what it is now so you're then left with a lot of the youth team players which you know and again I can't fault them they're committed to turn up every week and blah 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 but it's it's that little bit of craftiness that little bit of knowledge when you know when you when you draw in a game just slow it down and, and things like that you know go down and look for fouls and try and get the ref on your side and just little things that good players do that the young lads don't really know so so we couldn't really read a lot into the Blackstones game yes it was a, a great start but I knew we were gonna. I knew we were gonna struggle unless we got a few boys in. So, I, mean, I was going to ask you. I mean, uh, do you think if that Blackstones game had that result or the win had uh, stood, you would have uh, done better in the league? Maybe. I mean, when did you find out that had uh, been chalked off? Um, just a couple of days, really, after. But no, to be honest with you, it's more of a distraction. Um, one thing that I know I knew from my time at Boston Town was that, you know, when we went sort of four or five rounds deep into that competition, you're playing Saturdays, your league games are being pushed behind, you're then having to play midweek. You know, we were going to have to go to, up to Brig on a Wednesday night or something like that, which is nobody wants to do that. The, the roads to Brig are horrible. Um, so... So, no, the, I don't think we could have won the competition anyway. So, to me, it's like, well, it's just a hindrance. You know, we've got a field of team. If you pick injuries up as well, 
no, I don't think it would have made a difference with the league position or anything like that, no. Uh, one of your, uh, of course, you beat Blackstone's 5 as we've been just been saying, but uh, one of your better performances as as when you was at Holbeach United was against uh, Loughborough students only a couple of weeks ago when you only managed to uh, lose a 2-1 to them considering where they are in the league. And I remember we was at the Holbeach Newark game last week and a lot of your fans uh, said you should have got a point at least out of that game. Yeah, we, sh- we should have. Um, we'd, we'd been sort of beaten by Sleaford 4-0 the week before. And I think that was 2-0 at half-time. You know, if we'd have been a bit cleverer again in that, you know, more clever in that game, that could have gone a different way. But you have chances and if you don't take them, that, that tends to happen. And then, yeah, the Loughborough one was 0-0 at half-time. You know, we went in, conceded. Just, just fell asleep really for that, and again, that, that tends to happen if your team's quite young and there's no sort of older heads out there just to just to keep them focused and switched on or a leader even. Um, but yeah, we got our way back into it, and and to be honest, I wasn't impressed with Loughborough all that much. They were, they were fit and had legs. They were all sort of early twenties. Maybe there was a couple um, just a little bit older than that, but but they were fit and they played till the end. But I mean, we had a brilliant chance at the end where. Um, Andre Williams pulled the ball back to Elliot. Well, he laid it in front of Elliot Foster and he thought he was... No, sorry, he laid it behind and, and Fozzie thought he was knocking it to the front post. So we should have really equalised in the dying seconds and nicked a point. But that's how things go for you when you're down there, unfortunately. So, yes, the performance was much better. Um, and, and we said to the boys, you know, you've got to go out there and fight. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, they're a young team. So even though we were a young team, make it a scrap, you know, let the, when you, when you're in the relegation zone, you've got to, you can't let teams come to your back garden and, and dick you, you know, and, and put five or six past you or whatever. You've got to make them leave there. They'll come there thinking it's easy, which Loughborough probably did. And then they only won two, one. So that, that was much more improved. That was the best, best performance, you know, I've, I've seen from the boys. I mean, as you say about Loughborough, probably uh, thinking they was going to win, of course, they are uh, pretty much a full-time team at this level. They've probably got one of the best pitches. And, of course, they're, they're near enough the same squad plays in uh, yeah. the university leagues in the in the week. So, of course, it was, yeah. a, it was a good result only to lose 2-1. Yeah, yeah. And then Jamie Clapham's their manager, who's ex-sort of Tottenham and Ipswich and whatever. So... You know, that shows you they've got an ex-pro manager in them as well. So, um, yeah, they're a good setup. Um, but, yeah, we, again, didn't they didn't disgrace themselves against them at all. And that's why it's so frustrating. The games where we've lost to your Sleafords and, you know, your, your, your Newarks and, um, you know, them sorts of teams, your Selstons, because if you're going to compete against the boys at the top, then them boys that are in, the, in and around you, you should be giving them a game to them. And every time we played those teams, we lost by four or five goals. So, I think Going on to the Newark game last week, of course, you lost 6-0. I mean, no disrespect to Newark. I mean, they're not the greatest team in the league. You'd probably expect a team like Loughborough uh, to beat you 6-0. I mean, was the 6-0 scoreline being as big as it was? Was that one of the main reasons why he had left Hull Beach or was it because it was just going to be always going to be a struggle? Um, it's nothing to do with that particular game, really. Um, what you've got to remember at this level is, first and foremost, it isn't your job. 
it is sort of like a hobby. Um, you know, I've, I've never asked anybody for anything in any job that I've done at step five in terms of money or any favours or anything like that. You know, I work a good job and I'm, I'm paid well and whatnot. So it was never, there was never an issue like that. And it was never due to that particular game. It's just that firstly, it is your, it is your hobby. It's something you enjoy doing and, you know, we'd, we'd tried to get the boys, de- again, go back to where we were in the league. We're down the bottom, we're struggling. You know, we're trying to get the boys in for training and only four or five of them are saying they're available. So I'm not going to put a session on for five lads and get a coach down and whatnot. So so they were go- some of them were going training with the reserves and stuff like that. I hadn't been very well um, for four or five weeks I had bronchitis which was shocking so I could do without being out in the cold as well but obviously if if needs must I would have gone down um and then you know it's the constant sort of you're trying to Ricky Drury was helping me who obviously was a hot was the first team keeper um and he's been injured so obviously we had Jake Fressel come in but you know me and Rick must have drummed the same message into some of the boys heads five or six times the only ones really getting it with it was some of the older some of the older boys and some of the younger lads that had been in and around good setups um you know some of them like you know Mackenzie Birdass was there from Boston Elliot Foster was there some of them boys have been coached you know from a young age a lot most of them have to be fair I'm a bit I'm probably being a bit harsh there but it just seemed to go in one ear and out the other of some of them and um, that doesn't happen with good seasoned UCL players. And again, I'm not having a dig or pop at any of them because they were all brilliant with me. They were all, <clears throat> you know, they all gave gave me everything, and I couldn't I couldn't ask any more of them. It just so happens that that they just weren't of a good enough quality. And I think I think you know if you look at the result they had again yesterday with pretty much the same squad, you know they've they've lost five nil again yesterday. So it it might look like it's my tactics or my way of playing or, you know, even my, you know, I was quite nice and calm with the boys for the first two or three because you can't just go in there effing and jeffing and throwing things about and stuff. But then we got tough at the start of the Loughborough game and it worked. So then we did the same at the start of the Newark game and we came in at 2-0 and I said to the boys, look, you'll either, you'll either get back in this or you'll be you'll get a good hiding. And it went the other way. And it's just a bit of care and effort, you know. It, you can't teach, um, you know, when you're under pressure to clip the ball in the corner or to just put your foot through it. We were trying to clear balls and we were lofting them in the air and not putting enough on them and heading the ball back out into, you know, when you when you taught as a defender, I was the centre half, and you, you know, you don't nod the ball into the onto the edge of the 18-yard box. You nod it out for a throw-in or whatever. Just silly little mistakes like that, which we were making. So. So it was more of a case of it wasn't fun at all. I didn't think that, and I had a chat with the chairman um, early in the week, and I said, "Look, I don't know what you what your plans are, but you know, I've come in to try and turn things around, and I haven't." The chairman wanted me to stay on, the board wanted me to stay on, and have like a three year plan. Whether this is right or wrong, you know, I don't particularly want to manage in UCL one. So we sort of said, "Look." why don't I just step back and, and try and get someone in that can bring somebody in, some boys in from somewhere else, maybe. I think the new guys from Peterborough, Yaxley way. So maybe he can bring some Peterborough lads in or whatever and, and try and get them out. But if he's happy to go in there, he's not managed at that level before, I don't think. So he can probably go in there and 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 even if they do go down, try and recruit well for next year 
get out of one and then he's a UCL Prem manager again and then maybe with his squad go and do it and that's what football management should be about at this level if it's if you're not enjoying it and it's not right for you and it's not right for the club then don't just do it just because you know I don't do it because I want to walk around Boston and lads say oh there's the old beach manager or whatever you know I know loads of people through football and stuff I, I just want to I want to do it because I want to do well I want to be at that level but I also want to enjoy it and I want my teams to do well and if they're not then I'll step aside and let someone else do it so it was a mutual thing but it wasn't totally down to the Newark game. It had been brewing for one or two anyway. But as I said, the Loughborough one, it looked like we'd maybe turn a corner and then we were back to it. And then we had a couple leave as well and stuff like that. So it's just just one thing after another. Unfortunately, I don't know I don't know if something's gone on behind the scenes or whatever, but nobody seems to want to go to Old Beach at the minute, which is always very strange for me because when I was at at Boston Town, they had a brilliant team and they've had a brilliant team for the last three or four years and then all of a sudden the last year or two, it's not gone so well. So I don't know if something's happened or there's been a change behind the scenes or whatever, but but no, with me, it wasn't, it wasn't just that game or losing 6-0. You know, I've lost I've lost four and five already this year and still, still got in the car and gone down. It's just a case of if it's not working, then you should change it really, so. I think one other positive you got out, or I think you got out, uh, with your whole beach, uh, with your time at whole beach, was uh, bringing in, as you said, uh, the young goalkeeper Jake Fressel, who's, um, I think Boston, he's contracted with the Boston United first team anyway. He's been playing with the youth team for the last couple of years, and uh, it was really good to see uh, you give him a chance. I mean, he's a great keeper, and even though you conceded quite a few goals, he still made some fantastic saves. Yeah, I mean, he's another one that when. Um, when my son was playing um, at Wiverton, Jake was the goalie there for James Palin. So there was James's lad, Ollie, my lad, Kyle and um, Jake. And I worked with Jake's dad as well, Darren North. Um, so it was natural for me to say to Darren, look, what's Jake doing at the minute? And he said he's at Loughborough Uni, but because um, he's a first year, he's probably not going to get in there in their team until maybe the second year. So he said, no, he's not doing anything. So I messaged um, Craig Elliott and Craig Singleton and they said, yeah, we can have him on loan and got him signed. And yeah, he made, I mean, he made a cracking save at Blackstones at 2-0, I think it was, where they've hit a, a shot across him and he's saved it and, and somebody's come in and tipped it past the post. So um, yeah, I mean, Jake's a good young lad and, to, to be fair, there's two or three there. Like I said, you've got you've got Macabird, Asfozzi, and then Jake, obviously from Boston United, and and they're the sort of lads. Couple there's a couple of other young lads there as well from Old Beach and whatnot, and they, they turn up and they want to play. And and unfortunately, in this day and age, I could tell you sort of twenty young lads that I know are brilliant players, but they're just not interested anymore. You know, whether they've found girls or now they're driving, so they go out at the weekend or whatever they're just not interested anymore. So it's refreshing to have lads that want to play. And Jake's definitely one of them. You know, he's, as I say, he's been at, um, he's at Loughborough Union. He was coming back for the games and things like that. So, so yeah, I couldn't fault him. And he, and he's been great. Yeah. I mean, of course, in uh, the last or 24 hours, um, Holbeach have uh, appointed a new manager, Danny Clifton. I think uh, well, we wish him the best. And I'm sure you uh, do the same. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the chap, but um, I I don't live far from Hull Beach. I'm I'm far end of Boston, so 
it's quite local to me. It always be nice to drive down there and go and watch a game with some real characters at the club, Lefty and Mick Merrison and good good blokes like that, and Dave Dugill, whatnot. So always nice to see them doing well. And I hope, you know, it'd be amazing if they could come in, you know, this guy could come in and get some boys in and, and turn it round. If not, you know, and they've got a three-year plan, then great, you know, fair play to them. So, yeah, of course, we'll wish them all the best, definitely. And we're going to uh, change the subject now away from Paul Beach United and uh, go towards Boston Town. I mean, you're probably best known for having uh, that FA Cup run there. I mean, talk us through that. I mean, surely that's one of your greatest achievements in management getting to the third qualifying round of the FA Cup. Yeah, definitely. Definitely my best achievement. Um, you know, I've won leagues and cups and stuff in the Lynx League and everything. But, um, you know, to beat the teams that we did, we beat Hednesford, who were like two or three steps above us. Um, you know, um, Car- uh, Carlton Town, who were playing a league above us. I think Deerham Town were playing at step four as well at the time. Um, so, yeah, that was amazing. Um, you know, if you speak to lads like Jason Field and Ollie Pinner and Loz Lamley and some of them boys, they'll all agree that it's their best sort of, what are one of their best experiences playing as well. Because <clears throat> obviously we did really well. The boys were really together and... Um, you know, we just looked like we couldn't be beating that competition. And, and then obviously playing Hyde, who were in sort of Boston United's league, I think at the time, you know, we only went down 3-2 to them. So, yeah, we were we were putting up a fight against everybody we played. Um, it, we knew it would come to an end at some point, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was a great, great time and a great achievement. I mean, of course, he was only um, well, two wins away from the first round proper. And of course, Hyde United ended up playing... MK Dons on the uh, Friday night game on the BBC. I mean, which was mm. uh, which was a bit disappointing uh, for Boston Town. So yeah, um, would have been nice. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but with Boston Town clubs like that, especially in the FA Cup or FA Vars, I mean, you're lucky to get a decent FA Cup run, maybe even every ten uh, years. I mean, it was a fantastic achievement for the club. And I remember that season was the first season where me and my dad. Uh, went down to Boston Town and it kind of made you appreciate the FA Cup more and seeing the non-league side to it instead of watching all the uh, the, the games in the latter stages in, uh, of the competition such as the final and stuff I mean it was really good to see Yeah it is it, it, people you know people if they're not involved with football so they're you know they're a Chelsea fan or an Arsenal fan or whatever and they don't really know the grassroots level that they won't be aware of you know the thousands of teams that enter and and the struggles that they have to, you know, put coaches on for fans or for players and stuff. You know, we went, we only played one away, which was Deerham. Well, actually, sorry, we played Radford in the first round. But two, you know, the coaches cost money and everything's just a, just a money thing, really. Obviously, when you win, you get, you know, you reap the benefits. So, um, but yeah, the, it's massively important for all clubs like that because if you get the first, if you get a win in first round, first first or second round you, know, you can bank quite a few thousand pounds and it can be huge for a club like Boston Town or anybody like that so so yeah it definitely opened your eyes to it it did mine anyway you know I, my uncle played for Boston Town and he always told me about playing in the FA Cup and stuff and I thought you only played non-league but then you realise when, you, when you're there that yeah it's a much bigger competition than you actually realise not just you know the first or the third round when the Premier League boys come in and stuff like that so yeah definitely an eye-opener I mean, considering the fact when 
uh, Boston Town uh, did have that FA Cup run. Of course, they're doing quite well in the league now, but back then they weren't a high-flying team in the league anyway. Of course, it uh, must have taken distraction off the league and focus on the FA Cup. Yeah, as I said to you a moment ago, you know, with a with the whole beach thing, you know, you we ended up we ended up not focusing on the league. We, that's wrong. We focused on the we focused on all games, obviously, because at that time, you know, I'd had half a season there and I'd assembled a decent team. So we we were always comfortable and thought we could beat anybody because we'd beaten teams from leagues above and stuff like that. But what the cup games do is they they get you up for it. So if you, you know, I can remember, I think we beat like Hednesford and then we went away to Winesbury and lost 5-0 or 4-1 or something like that. And you're thinking, how can we play like that on Saturday and then like this on the Wednesday? But it, it adds that, you know, extra probably 20% because there's a good crowd down there. It's the FA Cup. There's a, there's a lot more to it than just, oh, you know, this is a league game or, you know, we're away at... Harrowby or something like that or we're playing Hednesford from like you know their step three or whatever it may be so yeah it definitely adds a little bit more texture to to the games but can distract you from it and I think it I mean I mean when I left I think we were sort of 13th in the league anyway so we weren't in it you know I think when I took over we were bottom and then we fit we stayed up we were third from bottom so we weren't ever going to be dragged into that relegation battle again the team was too good but at the same time with a team that we had we could have finished a lot higher I think if we hadn't have been not dragged into that FA Cup run but if we if we hadn't have got as far and we could concentrate more I, I think we would have been in a better position at the time so and also uh, some of the players in those FA Cup runs uh, Richard Ford Jordan Tate Fraser Bayless and of course Laurie Borbley and Gary Edgley are still there as a manager and assistant now. I mean, it's still great to see them at the club. And of course, players like Ford, Tate and Bayliss are still there when uh, Town's doing really well in the league. Yeah, you know, all three of them have, you know, had, um, you know, coached and whatnot. And Fraser's a Fraser's a funny one because he, he does seem to, you know, go between teams, bless him. He doesn't seem to ever settle anywhere uh, for more than a couple of years, maybe, maybe had a disagreement with the manager before I don't know um because he was at whole beach and he he was another one that was just on the cusp of leaving as I got in which was a shame but but um but no still a great lad Fraser brilliant um brilliant lad real character real funny lad he doesn't even know he's being funny half the time he's a bit he's a bit crackers like that but um and then, yeah, Tatey and Fordy, great lads, committed. I mean, you won't find another, you know, you could ask Richard Ford to put his head in a lion's mouth and he'd do it for you. So, great, great lads. Tatey's a great lad. I think Tate Jordan's probably the, the one that has impressed me the most out of all the young players because when I took him there, he was a real quiet, shy lad. He wouldn't sort of speak in the changing room, sat there with his legs crossed and his arms folded and all the rest of it and listened and and now he's one of their best players so it's it's great to see yeah all, all three are cracking lads I wouldn't have a bad word to say against any of them really so I mean as you say Jordan Tate I mean when I mean he's been at Boston Town quite a few years now I mean both out mm. of those three players he's constantly stayed there and apparently uh, Darren said that he's had quite a few offers from other clubs but turned them down it shows you how committed he is uh, to Boston Town and as you say he was there when you was there and he's still there now and, mm. and he's yeah. improved and improved massively and he's all um, of course he's injured at the moment but when he isn't he's always one of the first names on the team sheet definitely definitely I mean he nearly I think he was going to America because I, I wrote him a referral 
um, as a, as an ex manager of his um, for his visa and his application for his scholarship. So um, so he nearly went to America for whatever reason it didn't work out. But um, but yeah, one hundred percent. You know when I first had him that and especially that season, I think we were away at Wisbeach and um, he was he was on the bench because we had Los Lamley there. Um, but then I think Loz got injured either that game or the game after. And then Tatey come in and then he played in, you know, the games at Deerham and Hyde. And yeah, he was, Jordan was brilliant. You, you could ask Tatey to play in goal and he'd be fantastic. You know, right, you play him on the wing up top, you'd get the same same out of him. Um, yeah, great lad. Um, uh, I've got a question I'm, I've got to ask you from Darren. I mean, Yes, I was trying to ask you about uh, the floodlights at Boston Town. Apparently, you're one of the people <laughs> responsible for them. <laughs> yeah, I'll kill him. Kill him when I see him. <laughs> um, it was something in the paper about, um, you know, obviously, I won't go into too much what happened there. But, um, you know, sort of the chairman thanked me in the paper and said, you know, I'll always be remembered as the man who won the money to repair the floodlights. So Darren has a bit of a stab at me and calls him the Gary Frost Memorial Floodlights. So, yeah, he's. Uh, he, I can't say what I, what I think he is, obviously, on the radio. So, but um, yeah, yeah, you're very funny, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, changing the subject now away from uh, Whole Reach in Boston Town, I mean, how did you uh, get into football? I mean, was it when you were younger, or was, or when? What were some of the first teams you played for? Yeah, I mean, always played, played at school. I didn't play in my first team till I was probably thirteen or fourteen um, at Wibberton, Actually, first season, um, I was quite good mates with um, a lad called Andy Creasy, Dick Creasy's son. He's Dick's a bit of a local legend, managed at Old Beach, Wiz Beach, you know, won leagues and stuff like that. Been involved with Boston United for years. Um, and me and Andy were real good mates at school and he played at Wiverton. So I went down there, <clears throat> had half a season or season there. And then I think when I was 14 or 15, I played at Fishtoft. Um, Martin Brown was the manager there. And we had, I mean, a, a lot of my schoolmates all played there. So um, I don't know if you'll know anyone, but there was, there was, there was a real good team down there. Um, and the trouble is, when you was a kid back then, the Lincoln boys always won it. And there was a there was a team, I always remember, there was a team called GF Icom, which is obviously Icom in Lincoln. And they were all massive. They had beards and everything at 16. And it was like, you know, Nora. These these boys are you know, like men. Um, so we didn't ever win anything, really. Um, and, then, and then when I left school... Um, I started playing for Boston College on a Sunday morning. So I was doing day release as a trainee electrician. Um, and I played for Wrangell. Um, my my brother-in-law played there. And he sort of took me down. Had a season with Wrangell. <clears throat> and then ended up the season after Tony Lyon. Um, great, great bloke, Tony. He, um, he had a Boston Town Reserve team. And so I ended up going there with a few local lads. Um, and we... we formed a, a brilliant reserve team at Boston Town. We went through the leagues like, you know, hot knife and butter. We we won three, two, one and the Prem all within sort of four or five seasons. And then there was a few flittering on the edge of playing for the first team. A few made a few appearances. We all trained with them, but my biggest trouble was I always struggled with my weight. Um I say struggled, I was a bit lazy really, but um 
yeah, I, I didn't sort of look after myself really too well. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit heavier than I'd like to be at the minute, but um, when I was playing, I was always maybe around the 15 stone mark, 14 and a half, 15. And I should have been about 13, 13 and a half. So, um, but, some wicked playing days at, at Boston Town because you used to get to mix with the first team lads. And again, just going back to the whole beach thing, this is what the young lads don't don't see now because some of these young lads are being thrust into the first teams and whatnot and they're probably not ready. You know, I can always remember being um, sat in the Boston Town uh, clubhouse and there was lads like Lee Ripping there and Matt Price. You know, I play with Pricey now on a, on a Wednesday night at the Boston 30, over 35s thing, but you know, Rips and Pricey, um, Carl Smaller, um, uh, Toby Scottney, um, oh, Graham Neal. They had some wicked players. Um, you know, my dad played with some of them at Wibberton, to be fair, but all, all great footballers. And then and then as they sort of, you know, started to pack up, you had, you had lads coming through like Lee Orrie, um, Mark Lovelace, um, you know, there's some brilliant players down there. So you get sat amongst them all and you would listen and you know, you'd you know, you had you had the experience there and you'd try and take it all in and, and then have a have a laugh and a joke with them and a and a drink and whatnot. So the game's changed a lot now. But lads just sort of come, they have a quick coke and then they go because they're off with the missus or you know, they go in to do this or they've got to be here or Whereas back then it was more of a culture. You was in the you was in the bar till sort of eight nine o'clock. You, your missus picked you up. You had a Chinese, and that was your Saturday. Um, so that yeah, that that was sort of when I was younger, and I, you know I really enjoyed playing and stuff. Um, and then I and then I ended up. I, I did I did a I hurt my knee quite bad playing for Boston Town in the Prem. There was a guy there called Clive Atkinson, and he was he was the manager, and um, we had a good team then but I did my knee and then ended up moving to to Freeston for a couple of years because good friend Shane Chase he was the manager um and we had a good laugh good that was a good time um and then I went to Curtin I think I had a season at Curtin um and then I just thought I'd, I'd played for some real good managers but I'd also played for a couple that I thought mm, you know I was a bit dubious of so I thought I could do this you know I could I could do this malarkey sort of thing um and then I set up a team called um, Castle Colts from the Newcastle pub at the back of Asda there, which is shut down now, unfortunately. But um, we, we entered Division 3 and won that quite convincingly. And then the castle shut, so we moved to the Witham Tavern. And we just changed the name to Tavern Colts. And then we won two and one, and then the Prem again. Um, and then that's when I got a phone call from Mel Scrubs, who was the chairman at Wibberton at the time. And they'd struggled the year before. And he just sort of said, would I be interested in going over to Wibberton and take take all my team if he wanted me to or keep a few of the lads that were there? So, of course, I jumped at the chance of that because we were playing down Roseby Avenue we're having to pay sort of 30 quid for a pitch and yeah. had to have a secretary and all the rest of it. And whereas at Wibberton, you just sort of, it was all done for you pretty much. Um, Richard Scott, bless him, the late, great Richard Scott. Um, he, was, he was fantastic, Mel. Mel was great. Uh, Mal Creasy, Flazer, um, Kev Rutt, all top fellas down there. Nothing but love for, for Wibberton and them boys. You know, they give their time up. 
um, and and wicked. And and I, I didn't really, I could concentrate more on the football. You know, I want washing kits and dropping them off at laundrettes. And, and, and that showed, you know, we went and won the Prem two years on the trot and then moved into the Lynx League. So, but by that time, as I say, my knee was still a bit, iffy and I was I was struggling with my weight again so I, I just called it a day at about probably 32 or something like that and then just and then just managed so so yeah always played always been around the game my uncle Tony Frost he played for for Boston Town uh, my dad played for Wibberton my uncle Trevor he also played for Wibberton so that's Nicky Frost's dad um, who I took to Old Beach and had at Boston Town so it, it's a football family Um and my lad played at Wibberton and my other son, my youngest son, he played and he's playing at Boston Town now. So always played, always been involved. I'm an Everton fan, which isn't the best, especially after today. Um, I might need a new TV because I threw something at the telly and bloody Crystal Palace. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it, yeah, but always been involved, mate. Yeah, and always loved the game. And it's always been my, my first passion sort of thing. You know, I'd sleep with a football when I was a kid if my dad would let me so. I mean, uh, I asked James Palin this uh, last time and I asked him who was the best player you played against. I mean, I asked him if there was any any famous names, but I don't think he could uh, really think of any. I mean, could you think of any famous names you played against? Um, against, I would probably say Julian Joachim. Um, you know, played some friendlies and stuff like that. We had a we had a friendly um, at Boston Town when we had the reserve team, um, which Tom Crozier was managing. Um, and he played out on the left. And I said to Loz Lamley, don't worry, Loz, you know, Julian's like 42 now. Um, you know, you're quicker than him and whatnot. And I think Julian absolutely tore him up. Um, he just knocked the ball past him and just absolutely outburned him. Um, and we played a charity game against Wiverton um, old boys. Um, and he scored a header and we had Scott Dawson playing centre-half who was like 6'4", built like a machine sort of thing and Julian somehow got up and nodded it, you know, nodded it in the top corner and Scoot was like, sorry, Scott Dawson, Scoot, that's his nickname. Scoot sort of just said, I've never seen a little bloke jump like it. So, you know, different gravy. You can see why he's played at Leeds and, you know, all the clubs he has, Villa and Coventry and whatnot. So I'd say Julian in that respect. I mean, there is just a one. Um, I've all, one. Sorry, I've also I've also had a few five-a-side games against Danny Butterfield. Um, oh yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Butts is a, a Boston lad, obviously, and um, he's an Evertonian as well. So, but um, a couple of Christmases ago, when we last all could get together, we had a few five-a-side games, and you could see Butts is still quality. He's still got the little one and two touches around the corners and stuff. So it's a shame he didn't go and play for Everton, really. But yeah, yeah, Julian and and Butts, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, so I'll just uh, one more thing I just want to talk to you about. Maybe not necessarily about you, but one of the situations going on in football at the moment. I mean, this week, of course, the FA Cup third round draw was done and the TV schedules got announced about a couple of days after. And there's four non-league teams left in the FA Cup, one of them being Kidderminster Harriers, which is the lowest team left. But the funny thing is, none of those four non-league teams have made it on the TV and even mm. Chesterfield, who's away at Chelsea, have not meant, uh, made it. I mean, when people say the magic of the cup doesn't exist anymore, I mean, when you look at it, uh, when you look at it that way, I mean, surely they've got to be right to a certain point. Yeah, unfortunately, the game's become more about money now than it has anything else. And um, 
I noticed there's a few people on Twitter and stuff saying a few bits and bobs and yeah, the, the what what the um, what the big wigs, if you like, at the FA um, sometimes forget is that it is a sport and um, and and so so if you think of it like that, yes, it is a sport, but also you're talking about you know a club like Chesterfield playing Chelsea, um, you know, TV rights stuff like that, put them on telly, a bit more exposure, you know, it shouldn't be going to. Um, I can't remember who, somebody say it was Villa Manu live on telly or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, exactly. Chesterfield against Chelsea. When are they going to ever get to play against them, them boys again? That should 100% be on the TV. Um, unfortunately, as I said, the game isn't necessarily run now by footballing men. Um, it's run by businessmen and people like that. Um, I'll, I'll never forget. Um, Sort of slightly off, slightly off topic, but it's still relevant. But I can remember a couple of years ago when Set Blatter left FIFA, and Luis Figo run for run for president of FIFA, and there was a committee panel board and all the rest of it. And I think they deduced that he didn't have enough experience, and he sort of said, "I've won the Champions League and played in European and World Cups." He said, "How much more experience do you want me to have? I've I've played in these games. You haven't." And that really hit home with me. You know, these are these are professional. Luis Figo is one of the best players that's ever ever graced, mm. you know, the grass. Yeah. And he and he can't get a job as a as a as a football sort of scholar, if you like, in terms of you know making these decisions when he's played the game and he knows how it feels like to have a decision go against him, or he knows what it feels like when someone gets a silly yellow card or. Whatever it is, you know, these are guys that have been in there and had that experience. So just based on that and the fact that, yeah, you've got clubs that are really struggling for money and stuff like that, the game has changed massively. And, yeah, maybe the maybe the magic of the FA Cup has gone a little bit. I think what these boys definitely do appreciate is that if you do play at home against Chelsea, you're hoping to get a bumper crowd in. You're hoping that, let's say, this, let's say Chesterfield has... 50,000 people who live there and only 2,000 normally go to watch. They're hoping that 4,000 go to watch because they're playing Chelsea and they want to see Lukaku or they want to see Jorginho or whatever it is. So it's really all about the money. But And, and that's the same for Boston Town and Old Beach. You know, they want to make a few quid and it stabilises a club. But it should be about exposure and it should be saying to Kidderminster, well done, you boys. You're going to be live on Sky, even if they're playing, you know, Dog Dyke Rovers or whatever. They've they've done that bit. They've yeah. got to that position, and yeah, they totally they totally deserve it. Chelsea are on the TV every other week, um, so yeah, I, I I think it has gone. I, I'll be totally honest, Tom. I think the game has changed a lot anyway, um, in terms of VAR refereeing decisions. I mean, again, watching Everton today, there was a decision where. Um, ben Teke's um, wiped Seamus Coleman out. The game's finished, really, but it, I don't think he gets a yellow. And VAR don't even look at it. They, they seem to only look when yeah. they want to look. Do you know what I mean? So I think yeah, I know. Exactly the game, I mean, yeah. yeah, the game's changed a lot, mate. And and I do think that um, unfortunately, money's money's making it go round now, and not and not the sport we all love. I mean, you said about uh, Chesterfield. I mean, they are away to Chelsea, but it's still. 
they'll still surely bring a, or the the uh, the goal or, or the away end at Chelsea will surely be packed with Chesterfield fans. I mean, those players will probably never get a chance to play at a Premier League ground again unless they do yeah. uh, really well. I mean, I support Man United. I mean, Man United versus Aston Villa is a game which would be uh, on BT Sport or Sky Sports anyway. I mean, I could get, it would very rarely be a a, um, a three o'clock game. I mean, mm. as you said, I mean, Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, City. I mean, they're on the TV most weeks. I mean, it's uh, it's well, it's criminal damage to football. I think that's a good way. It of is. Problem. Yeah, it is. I mean, Villa and Man U will be on the TV at one point this season anyway because of the league game. So it does I it think, really I need to be on again we, in the FA Cup? Yeah, I think I believe Man United are actually away to Aston Villa the week after we played them in the yeah. FA Cup. Which yeah, is, uh, yeah, and madness. The example, yeah, sorry, the example you gave there, you know, with um, even if Chesterfield are away, you know, okay, forget about them doubling their fan base into the ground, but think of how many, think of the money they can make putting coaches on and stuff like that, and more memorabilia, you know, scarves and stuff like that, and yeah. just everything, everything that goes with it should give them more exposure. Um, but unfortunately, as I said, these uh, it's like with a with a Super League thing, the big six Super League thing. And Gary Neville was was dead right. You know, they should have all had points bans and they should have all been fined millions for doing that behind everybody else's backs. Um, but we're, we're, I think we're too soft as a race these days. You know, human beings have got a bit soft. I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but, you know, the game's definitely not what it was, mate, unfortunately. So... Yeah, exactly. I mean, we are probably going to leave it uh, there now. I mean, uh, thanks, uh, Gary, for coming on uh, tonight. I mean, any final words? No, thanks for having me. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, as, as I said previously, I've I've enjoyed my time in the game, playing and managing. Um, my advice to everyone would be if you do play and, you know, you, you are playing locally or at a decent level, Make sure you enjoy it. Make sure it's not, um, you know, we see a lot of people where it gets the better of them and for whatever reason, they get a bit down and don't want to play. So make sure you enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, change it. Um, but always, you know, make sure that, um, you know, you, you do try and keep involved because it is it's the best game in the world, obviously. And, um, you know, I'm not sure what's next for me, but I'll be certainly, um, you know, just keeping my eye in. I do enjoy going to watch the games. I enjoy taking my boys to watch Boston United and stuff. So, I'll be doing that a little bit more, I should say, and then and then see what happens, mate. So, no, thanks for having me. No, we will look forward to uh, seeing you at one of those games, hopefully in the future. I mean, we do have some more com commentaries on Lincoln Chinongi Radio. Next Saturday, we'll be at Boston Town versus Melton Town. Then we've got a Bank Holiday doubleheader on Bank Holiday Monday, the 27th of December. We'll be at Spalding United versus Carlton Town. Then the uh, day after, Bank Holiday Tuesday, the 28th, we'll be at Sleaford Town versus Boston Town, which would be a cracking derby, considering uh, three Boston Town players have actually moved to Sleaford Town in the last couple of months. So that should be a cracking derby. And also in January, there should also be quite a few local derbies as well, which would feature each of the six clubs we cover who play in the United Counties League Premier Division North. Next week on the Lincoln Chinongi Radio podcast, I'll be joined by Dave Pickerell from the Grassroots podcast, who will join me to talk about his podcast and also all things Newark. And then on Boxing Day, we'll have a special half-season review where I'll be joined by the one and only Darren Traps as we'll uh, look at all uh, all uh, 10 clubs this season so far and give a little prediction for them come the end of the season. So once again, Gary, thank you for joining me tonight 
and uh, thanks to everyone who has listened. Good night. Listen to us via your smart speaker. Ask Alexa, get my tuner radio to play Lincolnshire non-league radio.